this is what we value, this is what we believe, this is the direction this church is going, and if you want to be a part of that, jump in. Come on and be a part. But we, don't, we want all the cards out on the table. We don't want there to be any questions uh, at the end of the day. So that's this Saturday night at uh, 5.30, and I'm sure my uh, description of that does not uh, encourage you or, just, or, uh, or convince you to come, but this will. Wyatt Sparks is, is cooking green chili cheeseburgers, all right? And so that's, you get those for free, and there's only a few times a year you can get a green chili cheeseburger from Wyatt, but that's this uh, Saturday night at 5.30. Call the office and let us know if you're coming, and we'll make sure we got enough food for you. I'm looking forward to that. And then the third thing that I want to uh, mention to you is that Easter is coming up in a couple of weeks, and we don't really do a lot of drama presentations at our church. It's not a huge deal. But we try to give a little bit of space for that. And next, uh, coming up close to Easter, we're going to have a drama presentation right here on our stage. Thirteen men from our church that are members of our church are going to put on uh, a play of The Last Supper. And Robert Moore is going to come from Roswell. He's going to be a, our speaker and do a short sermon that night. We're going to have some great uh, worship that night. Uh, uh, this will be an instrumental service. And so we do that occasionally on uh, nights that are times that aren't Sunday morning. And so we'd love for you to come and be a part of that on that Thursday night. That's the 28th. Mark your calendar. And then on Easter Sunday morning, the kids right now, while we're doing this, the kids are working on doing a presentation that they'll do, a drama presentation on Easter right here on our stage of the resurrection. And so I'm really excited to see what our kids have put together for that, and I hope you'll mark those dates. Here's the last thing. I just got to say something about this before I start to preach. And that is that Harlan and Cody and David and a bunch of other guys at the fire station are going to shave. They're not shaving their heads because they're shaving their hair off their heads, okay? So uh, they're going to shave the hair off their heads. And as I was thinking about that, uh, I was thinking about a joke that I heard. It's so old. I think I heard it when I was a little kid, which means all of you have heard it before. But it means it's a good enough joke that I would remember it since I was a kid. And so I got to tell it again. Most of you heard this joke. So people, you know, guys, guys that, go, that go bald. If they go bald in the front of their head... That means they're great thinkers, right? If they go bald in the back of their head, that means they're great lovers. And if they go bald all over, that means they just think they're great lovers, all right? <laughs> so we're going to see when these guys get this hair shaved off. Now, here's the deal. You can support, I mean, it all goes to cancer, children's cancer research, a great thing, a great cause. And you can give some money to one of these guys to help. Now, it's hard for me because I love all three of these guys, but Cody and David, you got to respect Harlan. He's your elder, okay? And uh, so I'm going to start out the deal with 10 bucks, okay? And if 100 other people in the room gave Harlan 10 bucks, he would have $1,000 to go toward this charity, and that's what he is hoping to do. He's hoping to get $1,000, okay, to donate. Now, I'm going to up the game just a bit, all right? And here it is. Here's the up the game. If today, before Harlan leaves, I'm talking before he leaves church, if he can show me that he received $2,000 from you guys, I'm going to go down there at 2 o'clock today, and I'm going to shave my head, all right? I hadn't even told Amy about that yet. So, uh, but I'm not, I'm not talking about, (laughs) 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 that's 
the greatest response I've ever got in my life. That's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, now, here's what I was thinking. I thought, this is a win-win for me because... If we raise if we raise a thousand two thousand dollars for charity, I thought that's a win. And if we don't, I get to keep my hair. So it's a win-win for me either way. And you guys are the ones that lose. You're going to have to look at me, all right? If we do this, so uh, all right. Now I'm not talking about I'm not talking about 1900 or 1950. I'm talking about two thousand dollars, all right? You think it's going to happen? <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. I can't believe it. Oh, I did not really think this would happen. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Now, seriously, this does, it had to mean a lot to me for me to say that, and it does. And I've never told you guys, I probably never told anybody here this, that I wear this bracelet. It's a Lance Armstrong Livestrong bracelet. And I've had people tell me, you better get that off your wrist because Lance Armstrong, blah, blah, blah. But I want to tell you, I have, real, I have several personal reasons for wearing this. But one of them is, every time I see this bracelet, I pray, I pray for uh, you guys that are struggling with cancer, okay? Now, you can't do that. You can't do that right now. You got to go sit down and you got... You got to go sit down and you got to go, go, just go sit down and you can tell us when we get done. Okay. You come up right afterwards and tell us we got to get going here. We got, these people got to go to lunch. All right. So, um, (laughs) Hey, Hey, no more now. Everybody stay seated. (laughs) All right. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Preach the word. All right. Let's preach the word. We're in our series called Come to the Table. And if you're visiting today, you happen to come during a five-week time when we've got our our, uh, congregation, our church family in a circle around this table because we're talking about, uh, first of all, we're talking about when we come uh, together that, you know, we can encourage each other. That we're not just looking at the back of each other's heads and we're not going to leave it this way forever. Some of you hate it and I know you've been telling me you're counting the weeks down and all that good stuff. That's great. We're going to put it all back, and it'll be back to normal, and we'll look at the back of each other's heads. But for now, I encourage you to really enjoy looking at the faces of the brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the family of God. We get to recognize the family of God, the body of Christ, and look across. And uh, next week, we'll have a little opportunity to to kind of enjoy that a little bit. But, But we're in this series, and that's why we've got this around. And we're looking at scriptures when Jesus ate with people. When he ate with people. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been talking about these each week. And we've been trying to imagine, what if I was at the table with Jesus? What if I was there when this story happened? Who would I be in the story? How might I feel sitting at the table? And we're going to look at another one today. Let's pray and then we'll read from God's word. Father, we thank you. I just thank you for my church family. I'm with Mike. I'm grateful, God. It's, it's such evidence. It's such evidence that you are real and that you love us. That we could all care about each other, put up with each other, forgive each other. It's all you, God. It's all you. We thank you for your word. We want to be people who who uh, know 
you. And we know one of the ways we do that is by reading your word. We pray today, God, that we would know you better when we leave here. And we pray it in Christ's name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. We're in Luke chapter 7. And we're going to read from verse 36 down to verse 48. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Well, tell me, teacher. Two men owed some money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Well, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but the, this woman from the, from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has put perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. What an amazing, beautiful story an incredible story and there's some things going on in the culture here that if if we don't know the culture it's a little bit difficult to understand what's jesus talking about you know because all cultures have some things about the etiquette at the table table manners right i remember when i was in college i got the great privilege of going to south korea to be able to go on a on a mission trip there and one of the things i learned was it's you you pass the food at the table with your right hand. It's an insult to pass something to someone with your left hand at the table. Well, I would have never known that, but it would insult people if you did that. You know that, you know that some... Uh, oh, you know, another one we learned in South Korea was that if you go to eat dinner, two people go to eat dinner together, the younger person is supposed to pay. And if the older person were to offer to pay, that would be an insult to the younger person. Well, I would have never known that because I don't know that culture. In some cultures, it's a great compliment at dinner if you belch. Yeah. And so, I mean, at, at our house, some unnamed people would be doing a lot of complimenting, you know? Because that's exactly what their culture would be like, but our culture is different. Well, here in this text, what we have is Jesus saying to Simon, you're being rude. That's what Jesus is saying to him. He's saying to Simon, you know what? You didn't give me a kiss. Well, that's not our culture. We're like, well, no kidding, you know? When James Hobbs comes to my house, you think I kiss him? Heck no, I'm not going to kiss that guy. Okay, but here's the deal. If in that culture, if you didn't give them a kiss, that would be like ignoring them. It would be like if one of you came to my house and you came to eat dinner and I didn't even get up off the couch. I didn't come over and shake your hand. I didn't give you a hug or a high five. I didn't say, we're glad you're here. I just ignored you. 
Now, there's only one time when that's acceptable, all right? And that's during March Madness if your team is in overtime. You just stay on the couch, you stay right there until that game's over, then you say welcome to your guests. And that's coming pretty soon. I'm pretty excited about March Madness. I was, I, I was James back there is uh, getting me involved in something with that March Madness thing, and because of his little thing here today, I'm, uh, gonna, I'm definitely going to win that for sure, James. The payback, all right? So anyhow, uh, that's the only time. See, etiquette is you get up and you greet the person. He said, you didn't wash my feet. And we think, wash your feet? I'm not washing your feet when you come to my house. But here's the deal. Of course, they, they wore sandals and it was dirty. And that's sort of part of the reason, but it's not the biggest part of the reason. The biggest part of the reason it was so important is because how did they sit at the table? What did the text say? How? They reclined at the table. They reclined. They didn't sit at a chair like this with their feet under. They leaned on an elbow with their legs out behind them or beside them. And that would mean another person would be right here and another person and around the table. Everyone would be kind of reclining with their feet. And if my feet are dirty and you're trying to eat over here, well, that's sort of embarrassing to me. I have dirty, stinky feet and they're right by close by your head and you're trying to eat. It's just embarrassing. It humiliates me. I don't have clean feet. He says, you didn't put any oil on my head. You didn't put any oil on my head. Well, this wouldn't have been the normal thing for people to put oil on someone's head unless, unless it was a very, very good friend. It was a very good friend they would put a little bit of oil on their head. That's like saying, man, I'm really glad. I love you and I'm so glad you're here. And Simon didn't do one single thing for him. He was rude. He was making a point to Jesus. I really wish you weren't here. Now that's weird. Because the text says that Simon invited Jesus. Why would he do that? If he didn't want him there, why would he invite him to come? Well, in Luke, in these chapters, we're seeing that Jesus is traveling several different places. And it's probable that Jesus has come to a new town right when he gets here to this particular part of the text. And he's the visiting rabbi in town. And you know what that means? That means for the Pharisees, whoever's turn it is, it's their duty. It's their responsibility to invite the visiting rabbi to come eat at their house. He had to do it. He had to do it. And he wanted to make sure Jesus knew, I didn't want to do it. I just had to. And if we had been sitting at that table with the people that were around, maybe it would make us ask this question, Am I here today at this table out of duty? Am I here because I have to be? Or am I here because I want to be? Am I here because it was an ultimatum for my girlfriend or my boyfriend? Or it's just easier with my spouse if, you know, that way they just don't gripe at me. So I'll just go ahead and come. But I really don't want to be there. Maybe you teenagers. <laughs> That's going to be my new thing with the teenagers. Hey, maybe like you teenagers, maybe for some of you, and I, I know most of you, you all have good hearts, but maybe for some of you, you feel like my parents just dragged me here. I cannot wait till I get out of high school so I can quit going to these dumb services. Maybe it's just for some of you that you care so much about what other people think about you that you think if I didn't show up, they would be talking about me or they would be calling me or speaking behind my back. We have to ask the question, we have to ask the question, am I here because I have to be? Because if that's the reason, that's called religion. And you know what? Jesus is not very interested in religion. 
He's interested in a relationship. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in a friendship. And that's what we're interested in here at Gateway, not religion. The other thing that's interesting before we leave Simon is that he is very, very smart. You guys understand that? This guy is, makes A's in, in his class when he's growing up. To become a Pharisee, he at this time would have certainly had the first five, five books of the Old Testament memorized. Probably the entire Old Testament he has memorized. He has at his beck and call from his mind in memory 300 scriptures, 300 scriptures that predict the coming Messiah and what he will be like. Simon knows a lot, but with all that knowledge, there's something that Simon doesn't know. He doesn't know that the Messiah is sitting at his table. He doesn't know. And if we had been there that day and we kind of realized that, maybe we would ask ourselves the question, Am I here because I want to know about Jesus or because I want to know Jesus? Which one? Because Simon knew a lot about the Messiah. He just didn't know the Messiah. And that's why we have this side of the table kind of set this way. We kind of set it as sort of like maybe a lunch, a, a lunch or breakfast at school, you know, with just some styrofoam plates, you know, and, and just some plasticware like this. That It's lunchtime, and you have to go and sit down, and you have to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Or you have to go up for breakfast at school and you have to sit down and have a bowl of uh, cereal or whatever it is they serve at school. We're trying to kind of get this idea of this is just my duty. I don't necessarily want to be there. My heart's not really in it. But the bell rang and I have to go. That's Simon. And the other side of the irony of this on the other side of the table is the woman. Because it's very likely that this woman probably hardly knew any scriptures She's a prostitute. You got that, right? A whore. That's how she makes her money. She probably knows nothing or very little about the scriptures. But you know what she does know? She knows who Jesus is. She knows who Jesus is. And she's apparently desperate. Desperate to see him again. Can you remember some times when you were desperate to go sit at a table with someone? I was thinking about that in the last couple of weeks, and I was remembering back when Amy and I were dating, and she was a college student in Canyon, Texas, and I was a single youth minister over in Clovis, and we started dating, and I got to tell you, we'd see each other usually once a week on Friday or Saturday, and I was desperate to see her. That's how I felt. I mean, I was desperate to get to a table like this, where we could go out on a date and have some candlelight and some wine and some, and some steaks and we could look across the table and we could look in each other's eyes. I was desperate to see those blue eyes and that beautiful hair and to be in her presence and hear her laughter and get to hold her hands and smooch on her lips a little bit. I was looking forward to all that all the time, and I still do. And if you don't think so, you can ask her. She's like, yeah, no kidding, you know. <laughs> so... Here's the deal. I was desperate to get there. And no matter what got in my way that week at work or whatever, I was going to be there. I was going to knock that out of the way. And that's a lot like this woman. She was desperate to see Jesus. She must have been because she came to Simon's house. Do you think this woman, this prostitute, wanted to come to Simon's house? No way. She spent her life trying to avoid the Simons out there. 
because they did not make her feel welcome. But she was desperate to get to this man named Jesus who made her feel welcome. That's who she was looking for. I wonder, and the text doesn't tell us, but I wonder why. What, what, what had happened that had made her think, he will welcome me. He, he will accept me. What had made her think that? Maybe it was his teaching. Maybe one day he was teaching about forgiveness and she happened to be walking by and she stopped to listen to the rabbi. And as he teaches about forgiveness, maybe it was one of the days he pulled out that prodigal son story, that good one that he told. And as he told about the son coming home and the dad running down the road, maybe he looked over at her and gave her a little wink. And she knew. He knows. And I could still go home. Maybe it was one of the times he's teaching about redemption and he's talking about how even though people are broken, that God can put those things back together and make them beautiful. Even though we've made a mess, that God takes ugly, dirty things and he makes beautiful things out of that. And she heard that and she thought right in the middle of that, it's not too late for me. Maybe it was just the way Jesus looked at her. She's used to men looking at her. Right? You guys are with me on this, right? I mean, she makes her living off of men's looks. When they look at her with lust, she's like, hey, cha-ching, ching-ching. She knows payday is coming. And she gets a lot of those kinds of looks. But she knows other looks, too. She knows the looks from people like Simon. The looks of disgust. <laughs> Please, did you see that woman that came in here? Oh, condemnation, judgment. She knows those looks. But when Jesus looks at her, I, I can imagine, I feel sure, because of who he is and what we have in all the text about him, that when he looked at her, it was more like a father looking at a daughter. You know how us dads feel when our daughter walks in the room? Our heart just kind of skips a beat, and we feel joy, and we feel thankful, and we feel love and we feel pleasure we feel all this that's just wrapped up in this little girl that's growing up in our house becoming a woman and and we look at them different probably than anybody else in the world that must have been what she felt like when jesus looked at her and these kind of things must not have been unusual for jesus when he went to the table if you were with him and you'd been at table after table after table you would be finding out People keep leaving. They keep leaving the table and they're convinced it's not too late for me. I could still come home. He has, he has dinner with Zacchaeus, tax collector. <laughs> Stupid tax collector. It's almost April 15th, by the way. Sorry if you're a tax collector. Uh, Worked for the IRS or whatever, but they, you know, they, they were very hated. Matthew. Matthew has him in his home for dinner. Zacchaeus has him in his home for dinner, and by the end of those dinners, those men are saying, it's not too late for me. Jesus sits down at lunch one day. He's waiting for the guys to bring back some, some lunch, and he's at a well, and a woman shows up. She's had five husbands, which, which says she's had a lot of pain, and she's had a lot of failure. By the end of that lunch hour, she's running back to town, to tell everyone in town, it's not too late for me. Maybe if you've been there when Peter, man, he clearly 
bluntly denied Jesus three times. There's no getting out of that one. What do you do? He just went back to his old life. He didn't know what else to do. And so one morning after a long night of fishing, he has breakfast on the shore with Jesus. And after eating that fish, Peter walks away saying, it's not too late for me either. And I want to tell you that today. No matter who you are, no matter what has happened or what you've done in your life, it's not too late for you. It's not. That's important. That's important for us to hear when we come to church. Because some of you don't feel that way when you come to church. Some of you come to church and you feel like you're in Simon's house. And everybody's looking at you with judgmental eyes. And I want to say something crystal clear. Every one of us in this room that comes to this table, we are the woman. We are all sinners in need of God's grace. Without exception, nobody is more deserving of his grace than someone else. No one is more likely to be able to say, yeah, sure, I'm the one who can go to the table with Jesus. No, you can't. Nobody deserves to be at the table. Let me me show you what I'm talking about. I'm just going to do a little experiment here. Let's, Let's do it like this. If you are married or you've ever been married, raise your hand. Okay, just keep them up for a minute. All right? Now, if you have ever thought about, if you've ever have been or you've thought about getting divorced, put your hand down. Okay? All right? Those of you who still have your hands up, if you were ever so mad at your spouse that you could kill them, put your hand down. Okay? Almost everybody. The point is this. I think people come in sometimes and they think, oh, everybody's got it together. I've shared this, Amy and I've shared this with you guys before. We just didn't even know if we were going to make it. It's been, it's been close to a decade ago, but we didn't know if we were going to make it. And only by holding on to God and holding on to good people in our church family were we able to stay together. And how thankful are we today? 21 years of marriage. Man, I'm thankful to God. I'm thankful for Amy. Thankful I've got a woman of character who would stick with a jerk like me. Because she knows, and I know, we all need this table of grace. You see, here's the deal. This is the reason we've set the other side of the table this way today. is because this woman was desperate to bring her heart to Jesus. Just like I was desperate to go and see Amy over in Canyon, Texas. She was desperate to come to this intimate moment with Christ I want to ask you to do something today. And I almost, I mean, I I can say almost never have I ever asked you to do this. Maybe a couple of times. Here's what it is. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to close your eyes. Some of you, that's no problem. You've already got them closed, and they've been closed for a while. (laughs) I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read to you what it might have felt like if we were sitting at this table with Jesus, I want you to just imagine in your mind that you're at the table because there's Simon and there's the prostitute and there's Jesus. And you're at the table too. 
because there's quite a few other guests there. And this woman comes in, and it's pretty awkward. And the reason it is as awkward is because she was not invited. Jesus is reclining at the table, and the woman approaches. And as she comes close to the table, she stands over the feet of Jesus. And almost instantly, the entire table grows silent. Everyone turns. You turn. You look at this woman, and you instantly know exactly who she is. There are several people who glare and whisper to the person next to them. But you, you just put your eyes down, really because you're so embarrassed by her presence. Embarrassed for her. Sorry that she's in such a predicament. And it's so awkward. You want to crawl under a rock right now. But out of the corner of your eye, you see Jesus, and he smiles. He seems almost delighted that she has come. And his smile is so warm. And when she sees Jesus' smile, she is so undone that tears just begin to come. And you look up, and you just watch as these tears run down her face, and they begin to pour, and they drip off of her chin. And she falls on the ground and begins to kiss the feet of Jesus. And, and in, just a, in just a few seconds, the tears are they're just pouring down her face onto his dirty feet. And she looks and sees that there's mud. And I think maybe perhaps right at that second, she realizes his feet haven't been washed. Nobody washed his feet. She can't ask Simon for a towel, so she just lets her hair down. Now, in those days, women always wear their hair up. For a woman to take her hair down for a man or in front of men that were not her husband, that's considered to be so intimate that it would literally possibly be grounds for divorce. But she does it anyways. She lets her hair down, and you can hear this gasp around the table. And she just washes the feet of Jesus with her tears, and she dries them with her hair. And Luke says she has a little alabaster jar of ointment. It's, it probably refers to a perfume that women would have worn around their neck. And as you can imagine, for a woman with her profession, that perfume, perfume was very important. She likely had used it one drop at a time, many times, for many men. But now she just pours it out. She doesn't need it anymore. She pours the whole thing out, all of it, every last drop. She pours out her life when she pours out this flask right on the feet of Jesus. And she just kisses his feet over and over and over. You can open your eyes. Was it reckless? Yeah, it was reckless. 
Was it more than likely, was it uh, impulsive? I think it probably was. Was it inappropriate? You better believe it. Did Jesus love it? Yeah, he loved it. And you know why? Because he's sitting at the table right here with a person who has to be there. He's checking off his list, going through the motions. And here's a person. And he has her heart. He's got her heart. And if you... kind of creaky in my old age <laughs> if you and I are at the table that day if we're there I think we have to ask ourselves the question am I Simon am I just here because I have to be or am I am I this woman and does Jesus have my heart we're going to have an invitation today and it's going to have two parts and every person in the room is invited to participate every one of you this isn't one of those invitations where just the people that are prostitutes come on down to the front today, okay? It's not one of those invitations. This is every person that's breathing today. You're invited. You're invited. You're about to have the opportunity to participate in the invitation. It's got two parts. The first part is this. If you look around you, what you're going to find is you're going to find one of these pieces of paper right here. And there's, there's some of these that are in the empty places. Some of you may have to get up and walk across the aisle or something so that every single person can have one of these right here. And so if you don't have one, uh, get up. And then also there's a couple of people who have them. They're going to stand up right now and they're going to raise your hand if you don't have one and they'll bring them to you. Raise your hand if you don't have one and they'll bring them to you. And there's also a pin on each pew. So some of these empty pews have an extra pin. You can reach over and get those. Some of you ladies have pins in your purses. Everybody needs a piece of paper and they need a pen or a pencil to write with. And here's how this is going to work. If you feel like you are a lot like the woman, I want you to turn the piece of paper on this side that has this alabaster jar. And I want you to think about whatever that little jar is that's around your neck that you're holding on to just one last drop. Something from your old life. Something that you can't let go of. You don't want to let go of. But you do want to let go of. And if that's you, I want you today just to write a note to Christ of what you're going to give him because you love him. What you're going to come to his table today. You're going to come to his feet today and you're going to just give him that one thing in your life. The other side, if some of you feel like you're more like Simon, that you struggle with just going through the motions, you struggle with just doing your duty, I want you to hear this clearly. Listen to me close. Jesus went to eat at Simon's house. He didn't look at that guy and go, I'm not going to your house. You're just asking me because you have to. He didn't do that. Jesus never treats anybody that way. He said, you bet. I'll come to your house. And if that's you today and you've just been going through the motions and you've just been doing the duty of following God and you've lost the heart of that, Jesus loves you. And I want you to write him one or two sentences about how much you love him and how much you want him 
to have your heart. This is the way it's going to work. You're going to have about two minutes to do that while the singing group sings a song. So I just ask you to sit quietly and write on this card. You don't have to put your name on there. Just write a note to Christ. Two minutes, and then we'll give you the instructions to finish. Brian? This is my desire to honor privately. That'd be fine. God hears everything we'd say to him all by ourselves. But there's something powerful about matching our body, about matching our feet and our fingers to write a note and our legs to walk somewhere and to stand up and to make a statement that I will come to the table, I will come to the feet of Jesus and I will bring this. I will bring this. And I will lay it down at his feet. I want to tell you something. You're welcome at the feet of Jesus today. And so the second part of the invitation is this. As we, in just a moment, sing together, for you to stand and you to bring whatever it is that you're going to give to Jesus today and for you to lay it down right here on this table. 
bring it to the table. Come to the table. Bring it to the feet of Jesus and lay it down. I'd like to see this whole table covered with our sacrifices, our praise, our words of love for Jesus this morning. You're invited right now to come to the table. Let's stand and let's sing. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that...